This is Roof English Radio with Darinata, daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof. Hello, it's Roof English Radio. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company today. I've come to the geothermal exhibition, which sits next to the, well, as we're about to discover, the major geothermal power plant here near Selfos on the southern part of Iceland, if you head towards Selfos from Reykjavik on Route 1. I'm with Kauri Valgesen, who is going to guide me through the exhibition and also just underpin some of the principles here that mean that here in Iceland we can turn all of this energy under the ground into hot water and into power. Kauri, thanks very much for your time today. We start by looking at this map of Iceland, which shows where the high temperature areas are, a big orange splodge through the middle of the country showing the plate tectonics. That's something that we've all become familiar with recently. What's going on in this map? The first thing that you might notice is, like you said before, the uh, this orange line that goes straight through Iceland, which is, of course, the plate boundary between the two tectonic plates that we have. We have the North American tectonic plate in the uh, west, and then we have the uh, Eurasian tectonic plate uh, in the east. Uh, and this is a divergent plate boundary, which means that these two tectonic plates are separating from each other. Mm. We see that with the recent volcanic uh, and uh, seismic activity in uh, the Grindavík area, that the uh, earth is kind of just opening up. Uh, and this separation combined with what we call a hotspot mm. make, makes up for the whole uh, island, Iceland. Uh, these two things are not very common around the entire world. So to have this big island, Iceland, in, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, it's a very rare phenomenon. Mm. There aren't many other countries that I can think of that make use of their geothermal energy in the same way. There are hot springs in America and, of course, in New Zealand, I think, as well. But exactly. We can say that the Icelandic expertise is uh, just on another level. Yeah. But uh, there are also, uh, we export even our knowledge, uh, geothermal knowledge, both drilling and mm. just geological mapping to other countries so they can utilize that because this is such a good energy source. Mm. Uh, that, uh, that we utilize here in Iceland. And we think of it as limitless. Mm-hmm. I know last year, because it was so very cold, some of the big users, including the swimming pools, had to close for a day mm-hmm. because there was so much pressure on the system. But we do think of this as limitless. We think of it as renewable, certainly. Yes, exactly, yeah. Uh, it is a renewable energy source, uh, but the, what can we say, the capacity for uh, to have swimming pools, to have all of these things right now, we need to expand more uh, into uh, geothermal uh, drillings, we can say, because we are not not draining the system as is. We are just not exploring more uh, on the area right where uh, Reykjavik is. Because what we'll, as we'll discover, it's not just about sticking a pipe in the ground, is it? You've got to convert it into a form that can be used. Exactly. Let's move around. I'm, I'm struck by a yellow splodge in the middle of Iceland here in the southeast at Grimsvatn, which is very important at the moment because, of course, it's having one of its glacial water runs as we speak. The hotspot is like, uh, this is mostly a representation, but it is the most volcanic activity under the Vatnajökull glacier. Mm. Uh, and uh, that hotspot phenomenon is like uh, 
is why the big island Iceland is here uh, today. Because uh, the separation of the tectonic plates does not explain why Iceland would exist in the first place. Mm. It's because of this hotspot phenomenon underneath Iceland. Yeah. Okay, so let's move into the rest of the exhibition. I was saying to you before we switched on the microphone that I was here, I think about 12 years ago, mm -hmm. so probably not that long after you opened, because 2009 is when this exhibition opened. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 2009 is when it was uh, opened, and uh, uh, in the opening years, we had uh, a lot of, uh, what can we say, uh, people coming into the exhibition, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but then it just stagnated, we can say. Uh, were not a lot of uh, people coming in from 2000, what can we say, 11 to about 2015 or something. But uh, from that on, and also just in tourism in Iceland, it has been gaining a lot of yeah. attention. Because the first thing you see when you come down this road from Route 1 is the power station itself yes. and this is a little bit further down so this explains what is happening at the power station exactly yes uh, the we are doing statistics right now on uh, the people that are walking into the exhibition and seeing it uh, and the most common uh, denominator is the uh, steam from the cooling towers they say oh we just saw the steam and then yes. we came to the exhibition it's quite a good advert for the exhibition <laughs> isn't exactly, it <laughs> yeah but uh, as you uh, could can see the the uh, the outside area right now is a little bit foggy so yes. the, we haven't had many visitors today it just looks like lots of steam anyway doesn't yeah, it really? exactly yeah <laughs> yeah okay you might have heard us come up in the elevator there up in the lift so we're on the first floor mm -hmm. now and we learn about the renewable energy cycle we're going to walk around some of the exhibits here mm -hmm. but let's talk about the basics we said downstairs it's not as simple as just sticking a pipe into the ground and, and, and using the hot water as soon as it comes out how do we start turning all of that hot mm -hmm. water all of that hot rock yeah. and, and the energy in it mm -hmm. into electricity we do that, uh, there are many types of geothermal power plants, but this is uh, a double flash power plant, we can say. So we drill down and extract the geothermal fluid from, from uh, one of our boreholes, and we flash it into steam. We lower the pressure, and because it's so incredibly hot, it turns into steam. What is that fluid then? Geothermal fluid is what we call it. However, uh, it is like water that has a lot of uh, other minerals in it right. and you can all, of course always imagine that the geothermal fluid is the same type uh, of fluid as in the blue lagoon okay yeah. okay so this this fluid which is very heavily mineralized water mm -hmm. comes from the ground and then uh, it's under immense amount of pressure when we drill down into it and then when it comes up to the surface uh, we lower the pressure and then it boils becomes steam and this geothermal fluid together uh, after that, we separate the, these two phases, so we can utilize the steam for electricity production, and then we can use, utilize the geothermal fluid for hot water production. So there's two forms of production going on there. The hot water, of course, which is available across pretty much all of Iceland at almost no cost. Exactly. Certainly our rental agreement, where we live in Kupavar, we're not charged for hot water. That's very common, isn't it? It's just not worth charging people. Exactly, yeah. Uh, there is like some cost, but that cost is mostly in the uh, taxes that we yes. pay, property taxes. So, yes. uh, you know, you're not... Uh, 
if there is like a too cold uh, outside, you're not paying too much for that. Yeah, yes. it doesn't really matter. And the electricity that's produced then from steam in this case, Iceland's electricity needs are met in a variety of different ways. How much does geothermal energy provide? Yes, uh, in terms of uh, electricity, it's 30% from geothermal energy, uh, but uh, then the remaining 70% comes from hydropower. There are two, these two main sources for electricity production in Iceland. So that's pretty much all renewable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And does that mean, does that explain why electricity is also quite cheap? Exactly, yes. Uh, and also, uh, we're not connected to another uh, country's electrical grid. So we can uh, say that even though it would be a monopoly, but there is like all power companies in Iceland are either owned by the government or municipality owned. So they are not trying to profit too much. Okay. Now, we're here at the geothermal exhibition at uh, the Headless City power plant. The one, of course, that has been under a great deal of, of pressure, if you like, and people are very concerned about, is at Svartsengi, which is directly next to the Blue Lagoon. You mentioned earlier on, it is the power station that actually feeds the exactly. Blue yeah. Lagoon. Does it work in the same way? Yes, it works in the same way. This is why they can have the Blue Lagoon, because they extract this geothermal fluid thing uh, from the ground uh, and then flash the geothermal fluid into steam for electricity production, but then the remaining geothermal fluid gets used in the uh, Blue Lagoon. Yes, which the first time you go to the Blue Lagoon, and we first went in 1998, it's quite a thing to get your head around that what you're doing is bathing in the runoff from a power station. Exactly, yeah. Uh, not a lot of people know that, uh, even though the power plant is nearby, they just go there and think that the, this is natural uh, resource uh, or water. But then uh, when we explain to them here at the exhibition that is the runoff from the power plant, then they are, uh, they're not very keen to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Would you do the same thing here? Is there enough spare geothermal fluid? There is enough spare geothermal fluid, yes. However, uh, what we do and uh, what we want to utilize is that we, we sort of do the opposite, that we re-inject the geothermal fluid back into the ground to help uh, this uh, geothermal system be more renewable. Right, so there is a system that continues to cycle that you don't want to disrupt. Exactly, yes. The, the thing with the uh, Svartsenki power plant in Blue Lagoon, why they can do it like that is that because it's uh, replenished by seawater. Here we have to replenish it by putting it back down again to continue utilizing this source. Okay, let's talk about the rocks which are on display here. There's a variety of different rocks and crystals as well, I assume. There's calcite and there's gypsum and there's scolocite and, and arionite and various ones that I'm not sure I'm pronouncing correctly. What's the significance of these? The significance is maybe just that the, these uh, zeolites are, uh, can be collected here in the Hengitl area, but they are also just throughout the entire island. Uh, and the most uh, uh, most interesting thing is probably the sulfur over here. The sulfur forms around uh, high temperature uh, geothermal areas and you could theoretically take a whole sample of sulfur somewhere uh, around the Hengitl area, but mm. uh, I mean it is protected kind of, but you can, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of it, okay. Yeah. Now we're just looking out onto 
one side of the power plant there are big windows here that allow quite a view of what's going on so directly in front of us a lot of machinery a lot of pipes a lot of vats what's happening here here we have the uh, separation tanks where we are simply separating the steam from the geothermal fluid they are gravity based so the steam goes through the top and the fluid sits at the bottom so uh, we simply uh, separate them with gravity uh, and then we have uh, here on the left side the cooling towers where we cool the remaining steam from the uh, turbines mm. and that uh, cooled down steam uh, or water is then either used to cool down the machinery itself or to be re-injected also into the ground. How many people do you have working here? This seems like a system that just sort of gets on with itself. Exactly, yeah. Uh, the people that are working here are probably about uh, 70 people working, uh, but uh, for you know, they are only working here from nine to five and then yeah. they go home. Uh, it's mostly automated after that, but there are of course some people on call if something happens. Yes, yeah. and what would that be? It could be that there is a rupture in one of the uh, lines that uh, then the steam and the fluid go just go directly out. Mm. Uh, or there could be, uh, there was like in uh, 2018 a fire even. Mm. Uh, so. There are some things that can go wrong. There is a lot of heavy machinery over here, a lot of pressure and uh, high temperatures. So some things can go wrong, but uh, it is really, you know, relatively safe. Well, we looked at the map earlier on and we're right on the middle, of course, of those fault lines. We're right between the two plates as they pull apart. But where we're standing right now is not particularly risky in terms of volcanic activity, is it? No, uh, the Henkel uh, volcanic system last erupted about 2000 years ago. Uh, but uh, it is theorized that it could potentially be uh, connected to the uh, Schwarzenke system, where we have had some uh, eruptions now for the past couple of years. But uh, we've had not, uh, we have not had any indication of uh, more seismic activity or even more uh, more temperatures in our boreholes. Yes. There's a model here of Putland, which is the big domed building that sits above the city of Reykjavik. And when we first came to Iceland, there was a restaurant in here, a revolving restaurant. It's now filled with exhibitions of all, all manner of interesting things that you can go and see. But these were the water tanks. Exactly, yeah. Uh, these were the water tanks. They. Uh, why Perlan was located, uh, located there and why it was chosen to be there is because it's in uh, a higher ground, we can say. Uh, and then the uh, remaining pressure, you know, uh, when you distribute the water to each individual home, then it's good to have it higher up mm -hmm. so the pressure in the system can sustain itself. How did the water get up to it? Well, then you have to pump it, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but then uh, you can uh, kind of uh, have the same uh, pressure in the system at any given time instead of, you know, yeah. And are these tanks still in use at Pertland? Uh, if I remember correctly, there are two uh, of, the uh, of the seven that were... Uh, because it is very striking, isn't it, as a building to mm -hmm. have these shiny cylinders exactly. with the dome on top? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it is really cool, uh, I think, also, but uh, I mean, 
since we've had more distribution centers around the capital area, then we can just utilize those mm. instead of utilizing this. Something that has happened less, I've noticed, in, in Reykjavik, certainly in the time that we've been here, is that the, the hot water doesn't smell of sulfur mm -hmm. as much as it seemed to do 20 or 30 years ago. A lot of people come to Iceland and it takes them a while to associate that very eggy smell with cleanliness. We can uh, say that we have implemented this uh, power plant over here more because this power plant utilizes uh, a heat exchanging process where we simply heat up fresh groundwater. Uh, so parts of the larger capital area are using this heated up fresh water instead of the sulfury rich water directly from the capital area. Okay. Now this power plant in terms of the hot water it provides, I know that Svartsengi provides water and electricity for most of the Reykjanes Peninsula. Where we're standing now is responsible for the capital area. Exactly, yeah. This power plant, Hedliseidi, and also the other power plant on the other side of the mountain, Nesjavellir, provide about 50% of the total hot water used in the larger capital area. When you have visitors coming here from other countries, I mean, they are surprised maybe by the, the, the eggy smell, which we've discussed, but by just how cheap electricity and hot water is. What do they make of this when they see this exhibition, when they can see the power station? Yes, they, what they mostly ask us is that, uh, do you pay for electricity? Do you pay for hot water? Do you pay for anything? Because this is essentially just free energy. And I say, yes, of course, we pay a little bit, but it's nothing compared to uh, other countries or something like that. Uh, it was also, uh, what I explained to people is that we, we were kind of forced to utilize local energy sources uh, in the 1970s mm. when the uh, oil crisis was because then uh, importing oil and uh, coal or anything like that from other countries became incredibly expensive. It's still expensive, of course. But then uh, because we had these energy sources here locally, then we tried to utilize them as much as we could. Iceland's very fortunate in this regard, isn't it, that it has all this very cheap power. It's just a shame that everything else costs three times as much. Exactly, yeah. That's one other thing for being an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, yeah. even one is as hot as this. Kauri, thank you very much for your time. When is this exhibition open if people want to come and see it for themselves? Yeah, uh, the exhibition is open from 9 to 4 over the winter time and then uh, 9 to 5 over the summer time. And is it busy? Do you get people coming to have a look? Yes, of course. Uh, maybe not today, but uh, we had... Well, it is quite early today, we yes, should say. Yes, exactly, yeah. But uh, we have like uh, people coming in that book like uh, groups of students, for example. We have had groups from cruise ships. Mm. Uh, and then over the summertime, it gets a lot busier. But then we also uh, try to have like uh, official visits of... Uh, like uh, delegations or something like that. Yeah. It's a stunning building as well, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. It's a really beautiful building. Uh, the uh, the uh, architect drew drew it in the form of nature. Uh, yeah. It like uh, it is on a slope, and the slopes are like in the mountains in the nature. Uh, go like this, yeah.
And if you are in town, if you are in the capital, it's only about a 30 minute drive. Yeah, yeah, 20, 20 to 30 minute drive. Yeah, yeah it's definitely worth seeing. Kauri, thank you very much for your time today here at the Geothermal Exhibition. We'll put a link up to it on the page accompanying this show from Roof English Radio. I'm Darren Adam, and you can get in touch with us anytime at Roof English, English at ruv.is. There is more from Roof English with all the news from Iceland in English at ruv.is slash English. Roof English Radio is a daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof.